0: we had the amazing opportunity to speak with Tom Walker over Zoom video. Tom was born in Scotland but raised in Manchester, and he talked about how he got into music. His dad was a huge influence on him and his music career, took him to a bunch of shows growing up, bought him his first guitar. The first instrument he learned how to play, though, was the violin. Didn't do it for too long, but finally got a guitar around 12 years old, and from that point just absolutely fell in love with it. He talked about how his dad bought him a four-track to record at an early age. He ended up getting a drum kit and a bass and ended up writing his own kind of one-man band songs. Did that for a while. Went to college for songwriting. He talked about releasing his first EP, Blessings. The massive success of his first record, What a Time to Be Alive. The album just went platinum, which is huge. He talked about the massive success of the song, Leave a Light On, and how it did well in the UK, and ended up doing really, really well in France, and then it built over to Germany, and from there it just kind of blew up. So he talks about the life of the song, Leave a Light On, winning a Brett Award for Breakthrough Artist of the Year, and all about his brand new single, it's called Something Beautiful featuring Masked Wolf. You can watch our interview with Tom Walker on our Facebook page and YouTube channel, at Bringing it, it Backwards. It'd be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at bringing back pod. We'd appreciate your support. If you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're bringing it backwards with Tom Walker. This podcast is about you, your journey in music, and uh, we'll talk about the new song you have coming out with Masked Wolf as well. Cool. Sounds great. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, And I love your background.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I did this over lockdown uh, with tape, many loads of electrical tape. Is that electrical tape? tape? Yeah, yeah, and I just painted Uh, one color and then peeled it all off, yeah. It looks good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took a little (laughs) while. I was was real bored in lockdown, so uh, it's actually a soundproof wall. So I made a big gap and then filled it full of rock wall insulation and then built a structure in front of that and then plasterboarded it and then plastered over that. That was like a a whole three-day event but uh, I can't hear my uh, neighbors anymore and I assume they can't hear me which is that's good, good. that's is, uh, is super loud probably better for you
0: that you can't hear them
1: yeah they <laughs> them my dog at one point and you can hear it in every other room in the house That so, like when they leave the house it just barks like all day but in the studio it's, it's I'm in my safe zone so it's all
0: good <laughs> oh, that's amazing awesome so first off t- talk to me about where were you born and raised um well I was born in Scotland but I
1: moved uh to the outskirts of manchester uh when i was like three years old my parents moved so i kind of grew up in england
0: um okay
1: inside a scottish household so yeah a bit of a weird one
0: <laughs> what was it like do you remember scott you said you're pretty early when you move young you mean when you moved to england yeah, I was three years old, so oh, wow, okay. I
1: don't really remember. Probably don't remember it too like much. When I drive Scotland. past the house that we lived in, my parents always like point out every time we go about to visit family or whatever. And like, I feel like I can remember it, but also like, I don't know if I actually do. You know, what sure. do you remember at three years old? So, um, yeah, but I, you know, we we always visit like a, a good couple of times a year. I've still got like a lot of family up there, so I make it up to Scotland as much as I can.
0: Is it far? <laughs> like, how how long does it take you to get there?
1: uh i mean it's quite far from london it's like probably a seven eight hour drive from London. you can't fly for like and it's like maybe an hour and a half on a flight so yeah
0: okay and so you were in london or where how far is manchester then i'm so bad with with Uh, manchester's like (laughs) in the middle so manchester's (laughs) probably like three and a half hours away oh so you're just kind of in the center there right on (laughs) yeah 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 well how did how did you get into music originally
1: uh, my dad actually—he's such a big fan of music—and like growing up, he he just had so many different uh, records and CDs, and he was into everything from like Dead Mouse to Foo Fighters to like wow. The Prodigy to ACDC, uh, you know John Mayer. He, he was—he had real eclectic taste and like loads of different music and you know he used to listen to classical music and jazz and he took me to like loads of concerts when i was growing up you know i was his little kind of concert buddy because my mom was not interested in going with him to like anything (laughs) so he would always (laughs) take me and i absolutely loved it we went to we've seen like bb king together muse foo fighters we've seen acdc three times wow Uh, he's taken me to loads of orchestral concerts to like jazz gigs like loads of stuff so he was such a an inspiration. It was really weird because he didn't play an instrument, and he he. I think he, if he'd have picked one up, he would have really like got to grips with it quickly. Um, <laughs> But, you know, he went out one day to buy a piano and came back with a harmonica. I don't know who the guy <laughs> in the music shop was who was like, nah, mate, you don't, you yeah. don't want that. That's like three grand. Like, what oh, do you want? This right. This is 20 that's
0: quid. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, really long, you know? that's what I was thinking. I'm like, that guy isn't a very good salesman. that was terrible.
1: So, yeah, my dad, he, he was just a huge influence and he was really supportive. He bought me my first guitar. And, um, you know, I, I didn't actually ask for any recording equipment. He would just hear me playing over and over on my guitar in my bedroom and without me even asking one day he just came home with this like tiny little four track recorder and he, he was like you you play an idea one week and next week it's a new idea and you've forgotten the last one like start mm-hmm. recording into this and and so I did and then I, I started I bought a bass off one of my mates at school for like 30 quid <laughs> and then I started playing bass because if you can play guitar you can pretty much like ham it out on bass a little bit and then uh-huh. Uh, I, like i bought a drum kit from a neighbor down the road and i just started to piece together this like one man band cuz where i lived not n- n- no one was a musician really there was like a couple oh, okay. of musicians okay. in my school but they lived like really far away so yeah my parents were super supportive and like i it, it were just with like who comes home and gives you a recording device without you asking for right. it right yeah that's Learned amazing to do this, you know so uh, yeah my dad was just great like that
0: that is so cool. And then, so you kind of had to build your own one man band, as you said. So you just try to learn everything so you could record a whole song.
1: Yeah. So I, I started learning, um, you know, drums and this was kind of the early days of like YouTube and stuff, I guess, when it was just coming out when I was kind of learning. So everything that you needed to learn, you could just pick up, you know, like it was all there for the taking. So I just started learning drums and then I, I started I just sat there and until I got good at stuff, you know, I just kept playing drums, kept playing bass. Then I, eventually I started singing quite late. Like this is probably maybe three, four years after I started playing guitar. Um, and of, of course the first three years I was, I was so bad, like so bad. Like people always think, oh, like you were born with a voice and you've always right. been able to sing. And like some people 100% are just born to sing. Mm -hmm. it was not the case for me it was like eight eight long years of of graft and hard work to like figure it out so um I just started putting everything together and kind of started sketching out little song ideas um yeah what what
0: uh how old are you when you got the guitar
1: oh my dad bought my first guitar I think when I was 12 years old oh okay um because I actually played violin before that but it was oh, all those like a, I went to the primary school mu- music open day where they had all the instruments you could try out. And I always wanted to play guitar. But my mum took me to this music open day, and the teacher was like, No, the guitar is it's, it's too big for him, he's too small right now. What you want is the violin. <laughs> and my mom listened to this teacher. So for three, I mean, honestly, my poor parents, I was just like screeching away awfully on this violin that he couldn't play at like nine years old. And eventually, I was asking for a guitar like every year, every single Christmas. I was like, "Please, I don't want to play violin. I want to play guitar. I want to be like Angus Young, you know. I want to, I want to shred, you know. Right, right, I don't course. want to play in like recitals and stuff <laughs> like that, you know, uh, and quartets." So eventually, like you know, a couple of years later, um, my dad he brought he bought me one for Christmas, um, and just ever ever since then, like guitar just made sense to me straight away. Like violin, I thought I thought it was really hard, but Something about guitar it just clicked with me, you know, like mm-hmm. it's always just it's always just made so much more sense than any other instrument. Like I've been trying to learn the piano for like 15 years now and like I just cannot get my head around that instrument. But guitar just it just makes sense to me for some reason.
0: OK. And then when did you were you writing songs almost immediately or? Once you I was, I, I guess, I was, I was
1: writing instrumentals, you know, before before I got like the bass and the drum kit. I was just like, kind of like noodling and like making little loops on this kind of four track thing. And then I got like a, the drum kit and I had like two microphones, so I put one in the kick drum and like one overhead, and like you know, it sounded real mm-hmm. shonky, but I was able to build up these kind of cool tracks. And then got the bass involved, and then it started to sound more like a band. And then I was like, wow. I don't know any singers, So I'm going to have to start trying to like do some vocals. And then I was like, well, I don't really want to do covers. So I'll start writing original stuff. And yeah, I just started writing like awful songs, years and years of like terrible, terrible songs <laughs> until, you know, one day they
0: started to come good. When did you start playing out and, or showing people your songs? Was that later?
1: It was later. So when I, like when I was 19, uh, I left home and I moved to London, uh, and I I started a degree in songwriting at the London Centre of Contemporary Music, which is a university in uh, Borough. And I originally applied for the guitar course, but they were like, we don't think you're good enough.
0: And I was just really? Like, oh, no.
1: And I didn't even know there was a songwriter's course. I would have actually picked that over the guitar course, but I, uh, for some reason, I just like missed it when I was applying. So they were mm. like, Because I'd I'd sent them a few songs that I'd written that had guitar on them and they were like, but we really like the songwriting stuff you've sent over. Like, you know, we've got a songwriting course. I was like, oh, no. Right. Sweet. Well, I'll do that. And I initially applied and they were like, "Mm, "Okay, well, we don't really think your theory is good enough. So I had to do an eight week theory course, uh, which was like coming down to London once a week on the train to prove that I was going to be good enough to get into this university. Cause I didn't know any theory whatsoever, like completely self-taught sitting in my oh, bedroom. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, just learning chords from, from the sound and then trying to replicate it and using tabs and stuff. So um, that course
0: was completely useless. Cause I still don't know any theory. today. <laughs> um, but, you, but you got through it. So they let you into the school. <laughs> yeah. So, well, the
1: thing is I was always, because I'd got like a head start, like at home recording, like, there was a whole recording module at the uni, and a lot of people had never done any recording before. So, people who couldn't do the recording, I'd be like, "Okay, cool. Will you help me out with the theory, and I'll do the recording for you." And oh, this became sure. like just swapping work to get because it was all coursework. So there was no, there was not many written exams. So just to get myself through the degree, but mm-hmm. I guess it was the first year. Um, I had a uh, an amazing teacher called Jez Ashurst, who is a is a really great songwriter who's in the industry in London, who's he's written for loads of amazing people over the years. You know, like he's 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 amazing. I didn't really realise like how good a teacher we had. You know, like as a first year to have like an actual songwriter who's in mm-hmm. the game, who's doing it for real. And he gave me like amazing feedback. Um, and the only reason I had kind of sang on the songs is again because i didn't know any singers so i didn't really rate myself as a singer i didn't really think i was a singer and i didn't really want to be i thought i was always going to write songs for other people and just kind of hand them off and be like here you go you go and do that and i'll just Mm -hmm. be in the background somewhere but he really encouraged me he was like there's something special about the way that you sing and and the tone of your voice and you know there's definitely room for improvement but i think there's something really special there like in the making so he was so great um I actually ended up like the EP that I eventually put out, mm-hmm. the lead song on that EP, I wrote with him. And it's a song called Blessings. Yeah. And I also wrote that song with my third year tutor. So my first year and my third year tutor, the, the lead song on my EP, I wrote with both of them. And it ended up just like being the kind of catalyst for the whole project, which I think is such a, a special and amazing thing. That's so, so cool yeah I mean I've, I've got I've got nothing to say about the second year teacher he told me I sounded too much like myself and that I need <laughs> to try and imitate other people and I was just like what? really yeah. what a terrible what a terrible uh, advice like, oh, that's like the
0: total opposite of what everyone else says they're like just 100%. be you Do, be, just, dude. you're the worst man I, I got terrible <laughs> grades like he hated all my stuff <laughs> he's like have you heard Ed Sheeran you should sound exactly <laughs> like him Yeah, he's like got that. stuff was, going was, on tried all and try and copy that i was just like what <laughs> oh my <laughs> wow were you still in school when you put out uh, the first ep no so basically
1: uh that that degree was like so good for so many reasons but mostly because you know i met those two amazing songwriters jazz ashes who's my first year tutor and um, mark valance who's my third year tutor mm-hmm. and mark valance actually introduced me to my manager that i've got now um and put us in touch and then i started doing songwriting sessions with my management i'd never really done much writing for other people um so they put me in a few sessions but eventually figured like oh actually you know maybe maybe you do have what it takes to be an artist like everything sounds quite unique and even when you try and write for other people it still ends up sounding like you Mm -hmm. so maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a strength like let's try and play to that so after a year of being with my manager that I'm with now, Simon, there's a kind of like six to nine month gap before I met him, where I was like working every terrible job that I could find in London. Like I was giving out leaflets for cycling safety for like TFL London. And I was (laughs) working in like really ropey kitchens and all that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, kind of nine months after like doing the rounds, I, I got introduced to this management. We just build, we've just built from there from strength to strength really. And they've been so, uh, monumental in in the kind of opportunities they've put in front of me, you know. Like Simon put me in touch with we got, you know, we met a label and then signed to a label, and then a year after that, I signed to a publisher, and then just all started snowballing super mm-hmm. quickly. And then you look up and it's six years later, and here we are about to put out the, the second album, which is crazy.
0: That is nuts. Okay, so with that, for, even on the first EP, was that? Do you play everything on on all your records? No, because okay.
1: like like. I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, really. But like, I always put the guitar down for sure. I have produced like a couple of my early records. Like, um, there was a song called "Fly Away with Me" where I, I did everything on that. I produced the drums and the bass and all the all the stuff. It was mixed by somebody else and then mastered. But you know, I did the core production of it. So there's always like elements of my demos that have gone into the finished product for sure. But like, the, you know some of the people I've been getting to work with, like Jim Abyss, for example, who I did my first EP with, it's like he did Arctic Monkeys' first album. He did Adele's first album. He did Kasabian's first album. I'm not going to be like, you know, I'll do everything, mate. Don't you worry. He's like, let's get in some proper people. Um, And that's actually how I met my band. You know, I got a couple of great musicians in to to play on that EP and we did it as live as we possibly could, um, which was so much fun to do with Jim Abyss. Uh, You know, I was thrown into the deep end because here's me, never really worked with a massive producer working with like one of the biggest producers. And it's not only that he was big, like I have loved so many albums that he'd done. He'd done like the sweet disposition album by the Tempor- oh, wow! Trap. Yeah. Tempor- uh, Trap. That's a great uh, record. And like, I love that record. And you know, that first Arctic monkeys, record was one of the reasons I started songwriting because you know Alex Turner's lyrics I I could so relate to everything that guy was saying like Mm -hmm. getting kicked out of the club and having to swap jumpers with your mates to try and like get back in like I felt like when he was singing that stuff he was singing it to me because I was living that stuff at the time so to be in with Jim who'd done all this stuff that I'd grow up listening to was like an absolute dream so that was um yeah that was such an amazing experience.
0: Was there a certain song that kind of was the turning point for for you i mean early on i think that first song on the ep blessings like Uh it was one of the
1: most for me lyrically it's what's still one of my favorite things because it just it really captured like that section of my life like you know it's like are we going out tonight we could go to yours or you could come to mine got no money for the pub no but i could probably scrape enough for the bus though you know what i mean it was all like I was absolutely flat broke working crappy jobs. I just signed my, I think my record deal, but the money still hadn't come through. So I'd like stopped work and they were like, okay, we need you to do this full time. And I'm like, but you still not paid me like the advance. I have no money. Like I can't just stop. Like I know that you're a big like label and stuff, but like, if you want me to stop working, I got to eat and live. I'll gladly (laughs) stop. So I wrote that song, you know, just as I was kind of, get inside and everything was so exciting but I was still living this life with my mates living in a house with seven people who were all chipping into the rent who were all like young and hungry people trying to get to grips with like climbing up the ladder in in whatever area they were working in in London so it was such an exciting house to be in you know like one of the guys I was living with at the time who's working at like a, a popular um supermarket called Iceland And then he ended up like working with the UK government like years later. And it was just like, we we were all really like getting after like our dreams in that house. And it was such an inspirational place to be, but still we couldn't afford to go to the pub on Friday night. So we just stayed in, bought loads of like cheap beer and kind of got (laughs) hammered and listened to Spotify (laughs) and had a great time. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) You have a, I mean, obviously a huge song with "Leave a Light On" with with in that record as well. I mean, just went platinum. That's so amazing. Congratulations on that. <laughs> I mean, um, were you playing a whole lot of shows before you released that second record or the first? debut record i should say
1: yeah i mean i think from the moment i released the ep so i think there was probably like four years apart from the ep to actually finishing the album or at least that starting to make the ep to the finished uh to the finished product which was the you know what a time to be alive my debut album um I, f- I felt like it started off with a few shows but it just every year just kept climbing and climbing and climbing i think like the year before the pandemic we did it's like 135 shows in a year and wow. we've been to like japan australia like we've been to america we've like just been everywhere and it was like it was stuff like going to new zealand for two days and i'm like who does that who goes all the way to new zealand from the uk for like two days and then you know all this crazy stuff that you never thought that you would end up doing so it started off real small but it just it what i really liked about it is it built so gradually so it was kind of like It was easy to keep up with the pace it was progressing. Like I I don't feel like I went from naught to like like number one album. It it really was like a gradual build with a lot of work, and the work kept increasing, increasing. So, you know, it was only towards the end where I was like, oh my god, some of these weeks are starting to get a bit intense. I've not had a day off for like twenty one days, and like I don't know where I am. I've not slept and all that, but. It's all kind of part of the process, I think. When you when you're doing your debut album, there's there's a lot of roadblocks in the way, and you kind of have to do everything humanly possible to kind of reap the rewards. And then after that first album, you think, well, that's it now, plain sailing. It's like, nope, no, 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 no. Like the difficult second album, get go get to work on that. Um, right? Yeah, so, the follow yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which I've been trying to follow up in like a pandemic, so what do you write about when you're stuck at home for 18 months other than not want to be stuck at home, and, home you know? <laughs> so uh that was definitely a bit of challenge but um the last six months have been great man like i've just been to a big trip to america i went to nashville for 10 days and then went to oh, la for that that's and was-
0: awesome that's where i'm at in nashville but i'm originally from by in san diego by close Sick. enough to la but uh yeah, yeah. that's cool that you're here
1: I love Nashville, man. It was one of my favorite places I've ever been, like for sure. Like I'd been there once before for, again, like two days. And one of those days I was in a studio, so I didn't really get out and about. I was just working on something to finish the album. The Mm -hmm. other day it was promo. So (laughs) I didn't really see any of Nashville, but this time I really got to grips with the city. And uh, there was like a, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a gig in the park. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Musician's Corner. That was it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I got to just sit in the middle of that and watch like four amazing bands play for free in the middle of the city on this beautiful day. They were selling beers and hot dogs and all this amazing stuff. And I was just thinking, what a great city. Because you do have stuff like that in London. But Mm -hmm. I feel like in Nashville, it felt like that was more of an everyday thing. You know, there was just music everywhere. Like even the guy, as I was leaving Nashville, even the guy who was playing in like the airport bar was one like who no one was listening to was one of the best guitarists I've ever heard. In oh, my life. I was walking I, It's crazy. Like, this guy's insane. Do you know what I mean? Like, and every session I was doing, I was bringing my guitar. I was taking it out of the case. And then like I was, all these amazing people would be like, maybe the chords could be like this. And I'll just be like, I'll just, I'll just put this away. I'll just,
0: yeah. I'll put <laughs> Let me open the case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I won't need that today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I remember getting off the airplane the first time I came here too, and it's like the we I, we flew flew Southwest, and it was like there's some restaurant bar type thing right when you got out of the your plane, and this guy was playing, and I was just like, "Whoa!" Like this dude's playing in the airport bar, yeah. And he was like incredible. In it, it's it's, 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 it's wild. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'm I'm curious. Did how quickly did you see? leave a light on really start to blow up was it pretty quick or was it no, a, like like a slower took, pace it,
1: actually, it took us a year to get that record going and a lot of people don't think that because all they see is the finished thing where they're like right look how many streams that songs has <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> happened overnight and i'm like well no actually it took it took a whole year so it was, it was really strange it we put it out in the uk and it got into the top 40 which was great but then mm-hmm. it kind of just fizzled out a bit and I was like, oh well, that's you know that happens sometimes like on to the next thing. But then it starts like moving in Italy and it it's climbing up the chart really quickly. And then it gets into like the top 10. And then they were like, right, we need you to come to Italy, do a couple of gigs, do a couple of performances. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Let's get out to Italy. So all of a sudden I'm like doing all these radio interviews, like nobody's known about me in Italy until this point at all. Like I'm completely off the radar. No one's ever heard my name. And all of a sudden I'm in all these radio stations doing promo for it. And then, you know, we did that for a bit and it kept building and building. We came back to the UK, got on with writing the rest of our album. And then it, it went from Italy to uh, Germany and then it started building in Germany. And this is like three months later. And then it really started climbing up the charts there. And then because it was like, okay, there's two countries in Europe, the rest of Europe are like, who's this guy? What's, what's going on here? So then <laughs> France get on board and it got to, it was a number one airplay record in France, which is like, super difficult to to achieve because um on french radio it's got to be a certain amount of french artists who are like the priority which i think is awesome uh-huh. you know obviously to keep the culture and yeah and, and french music super popular which is great so but it means it's harder from people from other places to kind of break yeah, through, break so through right. like a number one airplay there for like i think it was like six weeks or something which is crazy wow. um and then from there it kind of did a number of other places in Europe and then it came back to the UK and this is literally a year later and then it got into the top 10 in the UK and I think it peaked at like number seven and just it was just really blowing up at this point so it's it takes a lot of work to get these things moving and it doesn't always happen overnight I've always found with my music it's it's a bit of a slow burner you know like Mm -hmm. it takes a little while to, to lift off but then when it does it it takes a long time to get going, but once it gets going, it's going for for ages. So you're kind of like, oh God, it's it's a year and a half later and we're still talking about this song. Like, (laughs) I've written so many songs since then. I'd love to talk about like anything else, but it's like... (laughs) Oh, but the song only just got to Australia. So we really want like what's the meaning behind it? And I'm thinking, I've been telling people for a year and a half Three years what years this and song's about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: wow. <laughs> Problems I <out>, for sure. <laughs> um well you scored a Brit you, you won British Breakthrough Artists in twenty nineteen, like right before the pandemic hit. Like how did I mean, that must have been obviously a huge moment for you to win that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, that was crazy. Um, and that, that particular Brit as well, it was it was a public vote. So like we had gone to Scotland because I'm from Scotland. And mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of a lot of UK artists are like, I'll just stay in London and I'll play things around London and I will win a public vote. And I was just kind of like, me and the team were like, why don't we do something different? Like, let's go up to Scotland. Let's put on like a free gig outside. So in Sucky Hall Street, which is like the main street in Glasgow and at the end of it, these, these, these really grand steps, we were like, let's just put on like a little three, four song concert, like in the street, like let's busk. And we got... Uh, a bunch of bagpipers called the red hot chili pipers to oh, come i've, I've <laughs> heard of come this come band. And play it. yeah <laughs> I, I
0: know who that band is that's awesome
1: yeah so they came along and they did like the little synth line that's in leave a light on they played it on the bagpipes oh that's and, awesome uh, and they came on like from behind almost like a kind of uh um, what do you call it when like people just start coming out of nowhere, a uh, flash mob. It was like, it was almost like, that. like the bagpipe was just starting walking up the stairs playing it in the first chorus and everyone was like, whoa, Scotland! <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> They're all wearing tartan and kilts and it was absolutely, it was, it was an amazing moment. Um, and then we did a bunch of other promo around Scotland. I was basically just said to the Scottish people like, look, I'm, I'm up for a Brit. It's a public vote. If you could vote for us, that would be class. Like, no worries if not. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, when, when we got to the brits that night my label had already been like listen mate we don't think we're gonna get this tonight so just like just soften the blow like you know you did good and like we've smashed it this year like but you're probably not gonna pick this up it's probably gonna go to mabel and i was like yeah i kind of I kind of thought that anyway like whatever no worries i'll just sit here drinking free beer so right. I was like five beers down at this point with a free <laughs> bar on the table, just like, well, if I'm not going to win, I'm going to fully take advantage of the Yeah, crowd. I'm going to drink all this beer. <laughs> and it gets to the category, and I'm like, right, okay, you know, practice your happy face when you lose <laughs> kind of thing. And then they call out my name and this, and I was literally at the table, right, just sitting there swinging a beer. And I noticed this cameraman walking over, but then he disappears. And I'm like, where's he gone? And then just before the announce, he kind of like pops up. So he's like this, he's just like, He just pops up like this with a camera in my face. I'm like, where's this guy come from? And then I just hear the the award goes to Tom Walker and I had literally prepared nothing. No speech, no anything, just completely winged the whole thing, um, which was quite nice. I think it was, you know, at least a genuine reaction. Right, right. I, 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 like, thanked my grandmother in the speech, you know what I mean? I was, like, just thanking everybody I could think of. So,
0: yeah, but no, that was was a huge moment, man. It was great. That's so cool. And then from from there, though, I mean, were you touring? Like, where were you when March 2020 rolls around?
1: Uh, So we just finished um, a tour of Scotland where I had an idea of doing, like, a run of, I think it was, like, eight really intimate gigs around Scotland um, in places that artists wouldn't usually go to. You know what I mean? Like, the real kind of rural places, but that have, like, (laughs) sick little independent venues. So we did a bunch of that, and I took a, a string quartet with me and uh it was real it was just like a, it was the four That's of them cool. on the spring as the piano player and me and we just wanted to do something different so we literally finished that the end of february uh and then me and my missus had been living with flatmates for like eight years I and mean, we've been together like eight years and the whole time we'd never lived together just the two of us so i was like well our flatmates were like look we're going to move out and we're going to get our own place and we were like all oh, right okay well i guess we're gonna have to do the same and i was like I think it's time. Like we've been saving for ages now. Should we try and buy a house? So seven days before a global pandemic (laughs) kicked in and all my gigs got canceled, (laughs) I decided to buy a house. (laughs) (laughs) We bought our first place. And then I was actually thinking at the time, like, Oh my God. Like, i've never lived with just with just my partner like it's uh-huh. it never happened before like what if we hate each other like what's gonna happen if we can't invite anybody around but actually it was so beautiful because i just spent you know the best part of five years away on the road touring uh-huh. and uh finally to get back in our own space and like where it was just the two of us we we had a little garden for the first time which was like amazing so yeah we we were super lucky man um you know spending that together and getting that time and it was it was a little silver lining through a really like difficult time i know it sucked so hard for a lot of people but um me and my missus like we got a nice little bit of time together which was which was really cool
0: that is awesome how quickly do you start writing this new record i mean i'm, I'm always kind of writing i did take a
1: little break at the start of it the first three months <laughs> my manager was like, we need to do Zoom sessions. We need to do this. We cannot fall behind. We do, we'll do get left behind in a second. So we need to be doing this and this and this. And he's at home like, and I can tell like, oh my God, this guy's got too much time on his hands for the first time in like five years. And he doesn't know how to chill. And I'm sure. just like, can't we just chill for a bit, man? Like, I feel like the last five years have been fairly hectic. Like, can we not just take this opportunity to just, like, ramp things down a little bit? And he's like, no, you've got to stay on top of the ball and keep writing. <laughs> I immediately started doing, like, Zoom sessions, um, which, as it turned out, like, the song I'm about to release, uh, tomorrow it comes out, mm-hmm. um, Something Beautiful. It was one of my first ever Zoom sessions, and it was a Zoom session with Steve Mack, who I wrote Leave a Light on with. And it's oh, so wow. funny because the first session that we ever had together, we wrote Leave a Light on, and then we were trying to like <laughs> which is mad because we were trying to replicate that song, but as it went so big, it was quite difficult. Like that was the first five hours we ever spent together in a room. We wrote that that's song, and it's crazy. Was yeah, I know it's nuts. Um, so then like the first Zoom session I did was with him, and we did the next single that's coming out now. Mm-hmm. I just think there's something really magic in that. And we got mass wolf to jump on it uh, a couple of months later because i would initially done i think i counted the other day i'd done 14 a- a4 pages worth of verse lyrics to try and get the verse and i just just couldn't get it i tried so many different melodies and so many different options and it just wasn't connecting for some reason i just i just couldn't get it and they weren't like bad verses but they just mm-hmm. weren't amazing. And we had this idea of sending it to Mass Wolf cause I loved his tune astronaut in the ocean. I thought it was oh, such a banger yeah, and he's just so got such, such great swag. Like his new album, uh, which came out a couple of months ago, I, I listened to it like three times through the other day and some absolute bangers on there. The guy's real talented and I, I just mm. love his lyrics and his flow and everything. So we asked him to get on it and I was thinking, Oh, I wonder if he's actually going to do it. Literally a day later, he sent back like the first version, and I was thinking, oh, there'll probably be bits that I'm not too sure about. Whatever, no, didn't change a thing. <laughs> didn't even change what he'd sent. Didn't ask him to re-vocal it or anything. I was just like, that's Thank it. Thank you. That's what <laughs> for. So, uh, so it was, it was great and a, and a relief because I've been working on the song for such a long time, and I knew there was something special to to like the chorus and the the pre and the middle eight that we had. The bridge, should I say, in American. Um, I and mean, and we just needed that like little lift on the verses, and he really got into. The meaning of the song and just he just absolutely nailed it. So yeah, I'm I'm super buzzing for that to come out. It was a long road to get there, but
0: uh we finally made it. That's awesome. And that's rad that you were able to get him to do it. And it came back, sounds like it was pretty quick, quick and easy yeah. to, to work that, with them. You
1: know, it's like me and Steve wrote something beautiful, like the original version. We wrote it in three hours, I think, three and a half hours on Zoom, and then I was it. It was like we were done. And then I just kept trying to write the verses and went in with him. And then I went in with a few other writers, like trying to finish it, but we just, I spent hours and hours on it and it just never clicked. And I honestly think sometimes there's that fresh perspective of when you first get in the room with something and you're running with something really new and exciting, what it's really important to try and like capture it in that moment, because you're in a state of like flow, you know, like everything's brand new and it sounds great. And like, you're fully in love with it, but when you live with it for for like then another 10 days trying to like write the same verse it becomes like a fatiguing kind of (laughs) program it becomes like a i don't know just it's hard to live with it and keep living with it and, and making it sound exciting and i don't know it's just you can't make progress with it so i think that was the thing with mass wolf he'd heard it for the first time we'd taken the verses i didn't even send him what we had i was like this is the blank oh. verse. like you do your thing this is where i want my bit to start it's the pre chorus onwards and then you've got verse one and two do your thing and i think him hearing it for the first time he just like obviously just got in the zone and, and laid it all down and i'm a big believer in that because sometimes the best songs you ever write you write them super quickly and it happens mm. in like five hours and you don't go back and i find the ones that you go back and amend like 45 times are are the ones you've overthought and probably aren't going to do as well as you thought, you know, you're like, it's a masterpiece. I've spent 45 <laughs> hours on
0: it, but actually it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear it. It comes out. You said tomorrow. Yeah, it comes out. So it's a uh, Thursday night at uh, 12 PM. I think it comes out. <laughs> that is amazing. And it's going to be part of a, your second record.
1: Yeah. So it's part of the second record, which I'm still working on. Um, uh i was gonna say the title but it's kind of a working title so i'm not even gonna go there no worries (laughs) Um, yeah i think we're probably about 70 percent of the way through i'm gonna keep writing until the very end because now that we've got like the a couple of the singles the label are really happy with it Mm -hmm. it takes the pressure off for me to just like really kind of experiment and just do crazy wacky stuff and I, i always find that like when the pressure's off a little bit you start to be more creative and and just just go outside of the box, and sometimes that that
0: that really fuels the fire in a way you weren't expecting. So, it's uh it's exciting times, man. I can't wait to hear it. Um, and thank you so much, Tom, for doing this, man. I really appreciate your time.
1: Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it as well.
0: Yeah, I have one more question for you. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Advice. Um, I think
1: find find something that you really love and that you, and that you, that, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I think I've got a kind of thing where you really do have to put like 10,000 hours in. Like Mm -hmm. I put so much time into this. I've been like recording music in my bedroom since I was like, literally at like 12 years old. And it's only when I got to kind of 25, 26, where things started to happen. And honestly, I was, I was this close to like giving up on the dream because I was, I was doing crappy jobs that I hated to make time for the music. I was like not making enough money to like do anything other than be at home and make music in my spare time. And it was this all encompassing thing. And it was really getting me down. But like it, that that's just the journey of music. Even when you make it to a certain level, there's still like up and down and up and down and it's a roller coaster. But there's never, ever a dull day. It's such a rewarding and frustrating job simultaneously. <laughs> but you know, it really satisfies me and I I absolutely adore what I'm doing. And I would say, if there's young people out there who absolutely love it and they're really hungry for it, just put as much time and as much effort and learn and collaborate with people. Don't try and do everything on your own because it's impossible. Go and write songs with other people, go and collaborate with producers, go and work with artists that you never thought that you would work with, reach out to people, like just get in amongst it because that's the only way to get it done.